Whoa, sweet man cave. Thanks. Serious upgrade. How'd you pay for all this? I got a home equity line of credit from Figure. I was approved in five minutes and had funding in five days. Wow, that fast and easy? Yep. The application is 100% online, plus no out-of-pocket costs. Just fast access to the cash you need. How do I get started? Go to figure.com and get that serious upgrade. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. The following is a presentation of the SpeedSport Podcast Network. This is the premier podcast for late model dirt track racing. This is Forward Bites. From the SpeedSport Podcast Studios, powered by My Race Pass. here's your host, Kyle Armstrong. Welcome back to another edition of the Forward Bike Podcast on the SpeedSport Podcast Network. I'm your host, Kyle Armstrong, and this show is powered by My Race Pass. Uh, today, we've got a special guest here in the studio. Been uh, wanting to do this for a long time. Charlie Craig is here with me today out of uh, Belmont, Gastonia, North Carolina area, and uh, he's he's uh, always got a big car show every year at his uh, at his place there. We're going to talk about that and promote that a little bit while we're here, but just a racing historian and a walk encyclopedia, anything you ever ask him, he's got the answer to. So uh, I, I expect this to be a, long, a pretty good long conversation, and I don't know what uh, what direction we're going to go in, but I... Uh, first question I got is Charlie or Charles. What's the what's the preference? Well, either one. My wife's family calls me Charles, but everybody else is Charlie, and I'm not Mr. Craig. That was Daddy, so Charlie's fine. All right. Well, that's the title of the episode. We'll call it Charlie Craig. Okay. So, uh, well, I, I really appreciate you coming up here and being in the studio with us today. And uh, you're you're no stranger to doing radio and uh, and and TV and stuff. You've done a lot of that in your career. Uh, I recently saw your Junior Johnson interview from years ago there on that popped up on YouTube and we watched that a few weeks ago and that, it was pretty pretty cool to see that. You've you've got to talk to them all here over the years. Yeah, and I I'm flattered you'd ask me to come be on with you Kyle. We've been talking about it for a while and I've known Kyle, well his dad's been best friends with me our whole lives and I've known Kyle since the day he was born and he's uh He's the next generation of this. He's keeping it going, which is great. He's got the passion for it like I had when I was a kid. Uh, back in the 50s when, when I was a little boy, there, there wasn't that much to do. Of course, we didn't have video games. We had a, a, a semi-pro baseball team in Gastonia, but you did that or went fishing or or just whatever you could do to pass the time, play putt-putt or bowling, and that was it. But the first time... The first race I ever went to was in 1962. I was 12 years old at Robin Wood Speedway, which I guess is my all-time favorite speedway in Gastonia. And from that first night, I was I was hooked, man. I said, "This is what I want to be around the rest of my life." I can I can still smell the castor oil and the fuel and taste those hot dogs and Coca Colas and and it was great. A lot of the big names came around and. I've got to see a lot of them, and there was there was two race track. Well, it was actually three or four race tracks around Gastonia, but there was two running at one time, in in that time period. The old Gastonia Fairgrounds, they had Cup cars there. What Kyle? Nineteen fifty nine was the last. I think it was fifty nine. Yeah, when Buck Baker won it, and I think Tiny Lunn was on the pole, and uh, it was a big deal. But it it wasn't. You, it was a little quarter mile dirt track, and they were still pulling them with tow bars and all at that at that point, but all the big names was around, and uh, 
the uh, car, excuse me, I meant lost my train of thought, but um, Humpy Wheeler and Junior Harrison both promoted Robin Wood Speedway. It was Humpy and his brother. They came in after Marvin Panch, long about 1960. And uh, then R.P. Harrison got, got involved with them, and, and for some reason they, they parted ways, and R.P. went down and built Carolina Speedway, which down next to the South Carolina line out of Gastonia, and Humpy leased the Gastonia Fairgrounds, which changed names a dozen times. It was Lowell Fairgrounds, Gaston Fairgrounds, Gastonia Fairgrounds. And uh, they, they, I don't know if they didn't get along or what, I never have asked, but they would even run on the same night. Uh, and the tracks were only about, well, you could actually hear both of them. They were only about four miles apart, but uh, it, was, it was great. You could find a race to go to somewhere within 50 miles four or five nights a week yeah and you uh you know i told you the other day whenever we were going to do this you've been to more racetracks that are closed than most people's probably <laughs> you know th that are not there anymore that most people today's ever even been to to begin with so yeah, yeah. i probably have i probably have uh, did you was... ever keep track of that like a list of no of... i i never really thought about it till you and i were talking and yeah it's been a lot of them and probably Probably ninety percent of the ones I ever went to are closed now. We we'd go off somewhere to some racetrack we'd hardly ever heard of, and I'd say, well, you know, Earnhardt's going to be there, or or Tiny Lund's going to be running his his uh, modified sportsman car at Lancaster. We'd go down there, and uh, we we've seen some good ones. There was always something to something to go see. Yeah, there was plenty of racetracks around here in the area, and uh, me and a friend of mine, Blake Harris, we've got a little map that we me and him have kind of collaborated and worked on and of course that's a hobby of dale jr and matthew dillner i guess we'll get into that at some point you kind of appeared on the lost speedways episode there on metrolina mm -hmm. with them but uh, me and him have kind of mapped out some tracks a lot lost or are still there and you can just just to see the location of where they are now like starlight there in monroe and like where robin wood was and where uh the the Gaston Fairgrounds was that that you talked about. That was where the that's where the Gaston Christian School is now. Yeah, the racetrack was right there where the ball right. field is. Yep. So, it's interesting to me to go back and look at those maps and look at the historical aerials and see where all them all those places were and uh, and just the history of it. And uh, it's 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 going to go away if we don't tell them stories. And that was, that's really one of the reasons I wanted to get you on here today. That's part of uh, the conversation today. This thing will probably take a lot of different turns but that's that's one of the topics for sure yeah the bad thing about it kyle is the doggone land now is worth so much more for housing and industrial buildings than it is for a racetrack and i don't know maybe the interest is not there and the, the younger generation maybe they're not car people like like myself and you um but and i'm glad you're keeping it going because somebody like yourself that has the passion needs to keep this when uh steve wade has his podcast that comes on he said when we forget the history there's no future which is true it, and it it keeps the interest going and it, it's it's been a pretty good sport to be involved in all my life and i just i take after my daddy but i was born with one talent and that was my memory and most of the time i can remember stuff sometimes i'll tell you wrong and swear i was right but uh i just love the history and i've always been a car guy and a racing guy and going since 1962 there's people that 
I'm still friends with now that were my heroes when I was a little kid, such as the Dunaways. I was lucky enough to, the Dunaway family in Gastonia are some of our dearest friends. And Glenn Dunaway, the grandfather, won that very first uh now, what would, how would it you would put that? It would have been the very first NASCAR Strictly Stock race, 1949. Yes, off of uh, off of a Little Rock Road right behind where Allison's truck sales was. There's a concrete Which plant Which is now there a big now. parking lot now. There's a concrete plant there, too. I think they, they make concrete for the interstates there. But anyway, Glenn won that race, and I actually knew him. He, he was killed when I was 14 years old, but I can say I stood and talked to Glenn Dunaway multiple times, and his son Harold was a local hero in, in racing, and we've lost Harold now, and, and uh, his son Dean is, is is trying to keep their memory alive. They've got some really good stories. Glenn, uh, Dean would be a, a good guest for you because he grew up around all that, and his dad was very well known in this area. Yeah, just for the listener's sake, you, you you know, Glenn did win that race, but then was disqualified, and Jim Roper got awarded the win, and everybody still talks about that, but that Jim Roper was from Kansas and came all the way out here to win, to run that race and, uh, you know, got credited for the win, but really, we know the story that, you know, Glenn won it from Gastonia. We carry a lot of pride with that, you know, NASCAR 75 years, and the very first winner was from, or, you know, that took the checkered flag first was from right there in our hometown. Yeah. Glenn, uh, he showed up at that racetrack and had his helmet with him, and he didn't have a ride. He didn't have a car ready at that time that would that would meet NASCAR's rules. So Hubert Westmoreland owned the car. I believe it was a 48 Ford, and uh, he said, Hey, Glenn, we don't have a driver. You want to run my car? And he said, Well, sure. So he went out there, and long story short, he won the race. And after the race, uh, he was talking to Hubert, and, Hubert said, boy, you did a great job. And, and Glenn said, I don't know what you've done to mess it up, but I had to drive myself to death to win this race. What is wrong with this car? He said, well, I got the wrong springs in the back of it. And they, they had some uh, liquor hauling springs in it to help it stay flat, but Glenn wasn't used to that. And he said, man, I could have lapped the field if you hadn't have done that. Well, somebody told on him, and NASCAR disqualified him and gave the gave the race to to Jim Roper out of Kansas, but the part that's not told is Harold Dunaway told me, he said a lot of Glenn's fans and friends went through the stands and collected more money for him and their helmets than the purse paid to win the race. But still, that would have been that would have been hard to live with the rest of your life, having that race taken from you when you did your best and you won it with an illegal car that you didn't have a clue. And on the other hand, the 1950 Southern 500, the first race at Darlington, uh, Glenn ran in it. I, I forget exactly where he finished, but Hubert Westmoreland's car won the race at, uh, with Johnny Mance at the very first Southern 500. And, uh, uh, and that car actually belonged to uh, Hubert Westmoreland and, uh, and uh, Bill France. And it was a rental car they had to begin with, and they got some truck tires and put on it. And long story short, they won that race in a little Plymouth with no horsepower average and about 68 miles an hour. And that car uh, today is in Kannapolis, I believe, at the Curb Records Museum. And it was for the longest time down there at the at the uh, Joe Wellerly Museum yeah, in uh, Darlington. It, it, it had probably been at Darlington, what, 50 years? Yeah, so I've, I recently saw that car in, uh, in Kannapolis a couple of years ago. If anybody ever wants to go see that, it's 
Those cars was bone stock. They had dog collars to hold the doors shut and, and that, and paint a number on it and take the hubcaps and the headlights out, and that's about it. That was why it was called the Strictly Stock. And that's right. Now look what we got mm-hmm. all these years later. It's mm-hmm. not, nothing stock about a stock nothing, car. Nothing, nothing. But, yeah, for sure. So, uh, so anyway, that was that. But I, I know that I've heard you talk about, and you said you're for, you went to your first race in 1962, and that was at Robinwood. Yep. But I believe 1963 was when the when Carolina Speedway was open. And I believe I've heard you tell before you were there when they were pouring the concrete for the for the grandstands and was there on the first night. Oh yeah, we picked up rocks off the track and swept the grandstands out, and and uh, Junior let us in, and I was there the first night, and uh, my buddy Bryant Wallace, who we lost last fall, won the very first race that night, and uh, won a ton of them after that, and the actually Carolina was a little shorter than it is now. Uh, it was a little over a quarter of a mile, and they say now it's what? Four tenths. Four tenths, yeah. It might have been three tenths when it was first built, but it's always it's had a lot of big names uh, run there over the years, and that's a good racetrack. I just hate to see the development coming along down there because across the streets in the city limits of Gastonia, they're building tons of houses. But it's just a matter of time till somebody comes along and offers millions and millions and millions of dollars. And you know, family won't have any choice. But it, it's sad. I just, I just hate to see that because you look online every week. There's some racetrack that's closed, and you never see them building one, which is sad. It's just, it's just it, this world we live in. I don't know. Sometimes it's hard for me to deal with change. But I grew up at the best time, seeing the, listening to the best music, and watching the best racing. That's the way I feel about it. Yeah, you sure did. I'd. Uh... I wish I'd have been a little bit older right now myself. I probably could have seen a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of the cool things too, for sure. But there's still plenty of stuff out there that, that's still pretty awesome. And you're talking about, I mean, this is the North Wilkesboro is coming back this week. We never thought we'd see that, talking about a track that we thought was gone, you know, all these tracks that have closed. And uh, I got to go up there last August to three of those nights that they had in August last year, and it was awesome. I, I don't really plan to go there this week. Just got other plans, but, man, I'm excited to see see what they've done up there to bring that place back to life. Junior Johnson took us out there when we did that uh, interview with him, and uh, it was something just to, just to see it. But at that time, the paint was fading and the weeds were growing up, and I didn't think it would ever come back, but I'm glad it has. Yeah, for sure. It's going to be uh, going to be a sight to see for sure. I, I think, it, you know, I heard on another podcast I was listening to recently, uh, they said that uh, they believe that'll be um, above and beyond. You know, they talk about ratings for NASCAR. That'll be above and beyond the biggest, most watched, most anticipated race of the year. And it's in prime time on Sunday night. Well, see, here's the thing about it. My generation and, and – a lot of your generation, they they haven't forgotten all that. It, if they got a passion for it like you do, they're going to go, and they're going to keep up with it. There's still a lot of us older guys that hadn't completely given up, and we've got the old days to to look back on and remember, and that just that just helps us keep the memories of that alive. They ought to have more of the old tracks to come back. I, I'm hoping something will happen at Rockingham. I hated that. Uh, it didn't work out with Andy Hillenberg and those guys down there because they were super nice people, and we used to go down there and do some commercials for them for that track. But uh, I think they've repaved it, haven't they, Kyle? Yeah, I think they're working on repaving it, so I don't think nothing's been announced. But 
Uh, the state gave them about $9 million to repave it, and they gave North Wilkesboro about $18 million, so uh, tax dollars at work there, I guess you could say. But if they're spending all that money to do that, then there's something going on that we just uh, hadn't been announced yet, I would I would guess. Yeah, and I, I've heard of, that North Wilkesboro, so much of the land around it for the parking and all is now uh, privately owned for farms and that kind of thing and build buildings on, but... Uh, parking might be a problem up there. They even talked about maybe having to run Ubers and buses out there, and local parking was going to be about a hundred bucks. But I can understand that. I can understand it. I, I'm just glad they're doing it, and I'm glad they've kept a lot of the Winston uh, theme up there because Winston did so much for that track and for that area up there. Yeah, no doubt about that. Um, so the lost speedways thing, I kind of already touched on it, but you had the opportunity there to go and do that with. Matthew Dillner and uh, Dell Earnhardt Jr. whenever Metrolina. And, and, man, y'all got lucky and just timed that just right because not long after y'all did the filming up there, the place was uh, – it's it's gone now for sure. So, Well, I got to thank you for that because you uh, you called me and you were, you'd been friends with Matthew Dillner for a while and you've known him longer than me. And you said he wants to talk to you about maybe doing a show on Metrolina. And uh, I was honored to get to do that and to, to, to work with – Matthew and Mike and Dale Jr. And Dale Jr. is just a, he's a super guy. He'll, he'll just sit and talk like we're doing now. He he has no ego. He's got the passion for it. And when you're talking about the old days, like we were sitting there talking about Metrolina, even off camera, he, he looked you in the eye. He was fascinated. That really happened? Y'all saw that here? Yeah. So that was really cool to be able to do that. And uh, I had a, a friend send me a, a email. He lives in London. He said, hey, man, I just watched you on television over here. So that that uh, that show's shown all over the world. It was really a – it was an honor. I was really flattered to get to do that, that they'd want my little bit of input. And and then uh, got hooked up with uh, – J.J. Grice has an excellent book that's out on Metrolina Speedway. It's a thick book. I think it's something like 500 pages, but you can go online and – search Metrolina Speedway or J.J. Grice or get a hold of me. I've got some of the books. It's If you ever went to Metrolina or you had family go to Metrolina, and especially race, every single race is documented in that book, and there's tons of pictures. And uh, it all came from that deal with uh, with Lost Speedways. The interest in it was, was uh, brought back again, and I've had a lot of people call me or run into somebody in the grocery store and said, man, I'm glad y'all did that on Metrolina. My uncle used to race over there and all, and that that was that was fun to be a part of that. And like I said, to be asked to do it, I'd like to do some more stuff. I, I don't know if they're doing any lost speedways now. I don't th- I think it's kind of halted production right now, but Dale Jr. stays so busy with his podcasts and all. But um, he, he's the one, too. He'll, he'll keep this going when, when – my generation's gone. You and you and Dale Jr. and those guys will be uh, they'll be keeping it going. Yeah, I hope so. And I, I tell you what, I thought was really cool <clears throat> about that. And uh, your outro, you you told there about the all you can hear now is the crickets and the and the and the frogs or something like that. And well, that that got uh, not only used at the end of the show, you saying that, but it was the in the last page of J.J. Grice's book. Your quote is used right there in the, on the last page of that book to to close out that big 500 page book and and yeah by, yeah i highly recommend grabbing a copy of that book anybody listening to this yeah we shot for a couple of days over there and uh, the uh 
the sound man stopped us one day. He said, oh, cut, cut, cut. Look, y'all, there's a coyote on the infield. Well, he was, uh, he was running around the infield, and the next day, there was standing water in the infield, and a lot of weeds and all grown up, and you could hear frogs. And the uh, sound man in my ear said, hang on a minute, hang on a minute, i got to do something. So he said, uh, Junior, we're going to run down there in the infield and get a sound bite of those frogs. He said, that'd be, that'd be good to, to put in uh, into the show. And so uh, they stopped and did that. And uh, so when I did my little part, we just shot it without a script or anything. And on the last day, we shot for about 15 minutes. And Matthew was over my shoulder just throwing questions at me. And he, he'd let me. He said, I'll say anything you want to say. He said... It's not right or you goof it up, we can reshoot it. But we were lucky enough to shoot straight through. But I thought we were finished, and uh, you could hear those darn frogs. And uh, Matthew said, hey, I got a good question for you. Now, this is at the end of the show. He said, you've been to all this racing over here, and you've seen a lot of things. He said, think about how it sounded when there was there was 40 late models out there or an NDRA race, how it sounded. How do you feel now? I said, I don't know. It's kind of sad. He said, what do you mean? I said, well, us sitting here talking, I said, it's sort of like a movie's going off. And there's, there's, the credits are rolling. There's no music. And all anybody can hear is a bunch of frogs. I said, that's kind of sad. And they liked that, so they left it in the show. Well, we're going to take just a quick break here on the Forward Bike Podcast and come back on the other side with uh, more from Charlie Craig. Welcome back to the Forward Bike Podcast here in studio today with Charlie Craig. And before the break, there we were talking about the uh, uh, the end of the of the Lost Speedways episode there with uh, with Dale Junior and Matt Dillner. And uh, yeah, I mean, once again, that was uh, that was a pretty good ending there. And I, I and it's like you said, people all over the world watch that. You never know how many people that reached. And uh, and and you ride over there now. I, I guess I've done said this, but I just cannot believe it's just a big fedex warehouse and it's totally unrecognizable there's none of those buildings that were there for the for you know the expo that used to be there in the fairgrounds and and all that and it's uh, it's crazy i really only remember going over there to one or two races and and my dad took me to uh to a have a tampa race in 1996 with uh, and freddie smith won it and it was on like a thursday night and uh I think I don't think he told us where, where he was taking us he just got off work early that day or something and came and got us took us over there and uh, we didn't know what we were getting into and and it was uh, we went to Metrolina and I don't guess I realized how big of a race that was or whatever it was but it was a have a Tampa race it's documented in that book and we've talked about it here on the podcast Ozzy Altman was announcing it that night and he he was on here a couple of weeks ago and he's talked about it so lo and behold that was kind of a big deal that race that night but I don't remember much about it and I'm glad that JJ's got it in that book where it's documented and you can read about it now. Now I, you know, have educated myself on it a little bit better because I wasn't but about six years old at that time. So, yeah, JJ, he did a great job with that, and they had a little bit of everything at Metrolina. I went to at least two, and your dad can help me out, but uh, at least two World Outlaw Sprint Car races there, and that was the fastest thing I'd ever seen in my life on dirt, man. It was the the flagpoles were bending when those cars would come by. They were so fast and putting off so much wind, but I got to go into the infield and talk to one of my childhood heroes, old Bobby Allen, old Scruffy. He was working on his sprint car, and I walked down there, and it was laying upside down. Well, it was actually laying over on its side, 
and I told him, I introduced myself, and I remembered him from go-karts when, when, uh, when I was a little guy. He was a go-kart champion. He said, oh, yeah, these cars are light. We want to work on the bottom. We don't crawl under it. We just lay it over on its side. And uh, it was neat to get to see that. But uh, uh, also talking about J.J. Grice, I'm going to plug his new book. Uh, he's got a book on the old Concord Speedway. Uh, the one that was kind of up the hill across from Punchy Whitaker's in Concord before Henry Furr built the new track. And he's hoping to have that book out this year. And, and it's really good. And I'm going to plug one more book, too, another buddy of mine. Uh, Will Cronkrite has a book out called I Was a NASCAR Redneck. Mm-hmm. He was, uh, and he sat and told me his, his life story. That is a super-duper book also everybody needs to read. He was... Uh, he was not only Dale Earnhardt's first car owner crew chief, but he was also the, the same way for several, including Ricky Rudd and, and just, and I think a little bit maybe for Mark Martin. I may be wrong on that one, but Will's got some, he's got some great stories in that book, but they will both, when we, when we plug my crews in at the end of the show, uh, the, those two, JJ and, and Will, will be there selling books and autographing books at my show. And uh, everybody needs to uh, look for JJ's new book, too, on Concord. Yeah, I can't wait for that car show. Yeah, we will get to that before we get done. I don't want to get there yet. We're, we're, we got a lot to cover yet, I think. But uh, you've had, I mean, it's it's unreal to even think of what to ask you next. I don't have any notes, <laughs> but what I, what, I, uh, what I will say is uh, those – those days back in the '60s and stuff, whenever you were going to uh, to uh, those all those racetracks in Gaston, you know, Robinwood, Carolina, and and then they, you probably even went to York Clover. Oh there. yeah, I've got the original sign from York Clover on the wall in my shop. Uh, yeah, uh, Russell Henson, a dear friend of mine who won a couple of hundred local races, gave it to me, and we uh, oh we went to so many racetracks, Kyle. The York Clover Speedway was between Clover and York. That's how it became York Clover Speedway. And there was a Winthrop University's downtown Rock Hill, right off Cherry Road, and it's right there in town. And Rock Hill Fairgrounds was behind Winthrop College in the parking lot of the baseball stadium, and now, which was downtown. It would just be like putting it where nascar hall of fame in charlotte is now but it was a little old quarter mile flat dirt track and uh so we would go down there i forget i think it was on thursday night or something john moose was the promoter and the announcer down there um oh and you had starlight in monroe you had shelby fairgrounds which had cup races up till probably 1960 or so and, and that's where uh Herb Thomas was was about killed and ended his career, and uh, God, there was so many Langster Track. I think it's been there since about 1951, and it's still packed every week. Uh, just race tracks everywhere, everywhere. Chester, you raced go karts at oh, Chester yeah. with my dad. He's yep. sitting. Out, my dad's here with us, a special guest out in the lobby out there listening. But you and him used to dice dice and slice over there. And, uh, <laughs> On the go-karts. How how was them days? That that, was in the early 80s. That was a lot of fun. Me and your dad didn't have money to have a a race car. We had, you know, we had families, but we we wanted to race, so we got us some go-karts, and we we pretended we was real race drivers. We had a ball. That little Chester track was a good one. We we won some races down there, and uh, you could draft on those those bigger dirt tracks, and 
lot of fun, a lot of fun. Uh, never raced anywhere like Charlotte Motor Speedway and those Enduros. They were, I didn't need to be going that fast. I, I never did ask Henry if he wanted to do it, but I didn't. That was too much. I wanted to do the, the local go-kart racing. But we, I, Well, I raced go-karts for 12, 15 years, and your dad was with me about half that time running. And they basically would just bring y'all out of intermission there at Chester. Was there anywhere else y'all ran them at? Because I've just heard of. I won a few at Carolina. They'd run them on intermission. And actually, Tim Gordon's daddy, Henry Gordon, was the promoter at Metrolina after Henry Furr went and built the new Concord Speedway. So Henry Furr called me one day at home, and we didn't have cell phones back then. It was in the late 80s. And uh, he said, hey, you want to? I'm going to be racing Sunday. You want to put on a go-kart race out here? I said, sure. So we did and had a bunch of them. We just run one class. It's kind of run what you brung. And we were running against modify opens and all that kind of stuff. And we had box stock carts. But um, Tony Furr was running with us. And that was, that was a ball. That was the biggest dirt track I ever ran on. Some of them went to Gaffney and ran on Cherokee Speedway. I never did go down there. I was kind of phasing out of it back then. Um, Cherokee Speedway when it was the big half mile that would have been a big go-kart track oh yeah yeah they they said you could absolutely fly on it I, I don't know why I never did go down there I just never made it to Cherokee but we uh, got out of go-karts and then got into vintage cars oh yeah back in the early 90s and ran them for a long time we ran North Carolina South Carolina Virginia all down through Georgia we uh we, we had a ball running the vintage cars, which we'd, we'd get a later model chassis. You couldn't have anything really trick. And I had a 46 Ford, made it look like a modified, and I had a, a 300 six-cylinder Ford in it. And uh, it run pretty good. We, we'd run dirt and asphalt on it and <clears throat> did really good at Hickory on it. I, I liked asphalt, and I thought I was big-time race driver. We went down to... Uh, Jefferson, Georgia. I forget the name of that track. Peach State. Peach State Speedway. It was Bristol. That's exactly what it was, was Bristol. We went down there to an open competition deal. There was about 20 cars, and I was the only six-cylinder. And that little six-cylinder Ford, it'd, it'd give a Chevrolet a fit uh, off the corners. and You could run the, the V8s down to end the straightaways, but finished third that night. An old boy in front of me had a 55 Chevrolet with a Clements motor in it. And we stopped on the straightaway, and he walked back. I said, oh, what did I do? So he walked back. He said, man, that thing will fly. What you got in that thing? I said, well, that's an old six-cylinder 300 I bought out of a van at Austin's Body Shop. <laughs> I said, I, I don't have no $25,000 motor, but we went everywhere running those things. But it, it was like everything else. It got to where people had to have $400 shocks, and they were buying new tires, and it, it got crazy. So I finally quit doing that, too. So got out of it and just started doing a little TV and all with the... But but I, before you move off of that, I, I remember going with y'all to some of them races when I was just a kid there and stuff, and I, I thought, I, I felt like we were going to the Daytona 500 or something. I mean, it really was big time to me, you know, looking up to you at that age growing up, and you had a beautiful race car, and uh, I'll, I'll need to get some pictures from you for when we put sure. all this together for this podcast of sure. that car, but that thing was... Chop top orange with a with a number eighty eight on it mm -hmm. with, with blue and it was called the Swamp Rat and yep. that was a good looking race car. Yeah, yeah. 
that was a lot of fun. We ran a lot in Georgia. We ran down at... Uh, I remember going with you to Livonia, Georgia, and I think went, you won. Went to Livonia, never seen the racetrack, and got lucky and won the race. And then we went to Tacoa, Georgia, a little track down in a hole. Mm-hmm. And we all got out there and ironed the track out. We was out there with the late models and the four-cylinders and us. And, and uh, let's see, Augusta was... That was down next to Fort Augusta, Gordon, that Georgia. was Gordon Park Speedway. Down next to Fort Gordon, yeah. Georgia. And I and I remember going with y'all to that one too. Mm-hmm. I had a remote control car is what I remember about being down there and I was driving it around in the in the pits. I'd got it for Christmas. I and, remember uh, that. And they uh they they told me to park that thing because it was interfering with their track radios and I <laughs> <laughs> I I think that that made me pretty mad, really. You know, I didn't understand, but I was just trying to play with my RC car in the pits. I tell you how long that's been. Uh, there was nine of us in my dually that night, and you were so small. You and your brother were laying up in the sleeper camper on in, on the back out out the back glass. That's been a while. And, the, and it seems like we blew a tire on the trailer and didn't know it until oh, we got home. You remember that? Hey, Tony Austin was driving, <laughs> and uh, I wanted to drink a beer, so I said, "Tony, you drive." We. We never felt it. We come up the road. There was nine of us in the truck running over 80 miles an hour. Pulled in the driveway of my shop, and I got out of the truck, and I said, what is that smell? And I looked at one of the tires. It wasn't there. It was it was a bare rim with some wire on it. <laughs> I can <laughs> still remember that. <laughs> we had lost that. We'd lost that tire somewhere down the interstate. But yeah. I bet the I bet nobody even told us we were throwing sparks or nothing because no. it was just it was cords. No, they'd have got us for having nine sure. people in there at eighty miles an hour too. <laughs> so, excuse me, man. <coughs> Sorry about that. Yeah, but that was uh, man. Those were good times though. I know. I, I hope you enjoyed it. You know, I, I know you had to have enjoyed that. You know, that's that period of your life having having that car and getting to go around and do all that. And it was sort of like a car show, really showing up, but but. Man, some of y'all really took it serious and really raced them things. I oh, mean, there oh, were some yeah. guys that flipped them and turned them over, and yeah. uh, and and put put donut marks on your doors and everything else. But uh, well, yeah, it's it like everything fun. else. Me and you sit here and punch each other in the shoulder long enough. One of us is gonna get mad. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. We had a ball doing that and brought up some lifelong friendships out of that, and people that uh, I keep in contact with now. Just just good people, racing people, or just they're, they're, they look out for each other, and they have fun, and we travel together, and it was just it was just good times. It was something I'm proud I did in my life. That car you had there, do you ever know what ever wound up happening with it? Because I do remember seeing it at a car lot. Morrison Motors had yep. it for a long time. The last Concord. I heard, it was still there. The number on it was changed. I sold it to uh, a guy that put his number on it, but other than that, it was still orange. Yeah, I remember seeing it. I think there. they still have it. Well, that'd be... Uh, <coughs> Yeah, that'd be cool to see if anybody, uh, if anybody sees that thing sitting up there, let us know. Orange sure. 46 Ford. Yep. So, so you did that and then you kind of moved into doing some TV stuff there yep. in the, in the late, and actually you had a radio show on a, uh, AM radio station back in, uh, I think it was 1270 yeah. WSGE. WCGC. No, WC. Yeah. The station, the station's not even there anymore. And we did that for several years. It was. It was called Racing Around Carolina, which is the same as the original name of my TV show was Racing Around Carolina. And uh, we did that for, oh, 
been doing that since 1995. We've slowed down some now, but uh, we don't do as much as we used to. But we would do a show every couple weeks, and Jim Wentz has a lot of There's several of them also on on YouTube. You can – I was helping a lady, Laura Lee Dirks, here in town, and she she had a show that was called – let's see. Ours was Race Around Carolina. Hers was Carolina Backroads. And I helped her uh, doing a few appearances on it and helped her with stuff. And she passed away, and her producer, uh, camera crew, and all good friends of mine, and they said, hey, you want to keep Laura Lee's show going? I said, sure. Let's just change the name of ours to Carolina Backroads if, if nobody cares. So we did, and we're still doing some. And if you'll – Jim might have eight or ten old shows. I think that's where you – found the junior johnson one um if you'll go on youtube yeah it was under carolina backroads on youtube type in carolina backroads and a lot of those old shows are on there oh gosh we've had uh donna douglas who was ellie may clampett on uh and junior johnson and and a lot of people um uh barney's girlfriend from andy griff thelma lou we've had thelma lou on and uh uh, so that that was a trip getting involved in all that, but uh, still go and and look at some of those old shows. I'm, we're trying to get some more of them put up. But there's one I'm real proud of. Uh, it's called Vietnam Memories, and it, we shot it in my shop two or three Julys ago. And it's my brother talking about me and him talking about his time in Vietnam, and a neighbor of ours, Larry Inslee, was on that show, and. It, it turned out really good. Larry, everybody called him Augie. He, he grew up in Cramerton and up and down our road, and I was in Boy Scouts with him and that kind of thing and knew him. And, and he and my brother did not know each other, um, did not know each other back during those times in Vietnam. Well, they were there together at the same bases and the same uh, – fire bases in the same places they they said oh i passed you one day on on this bridge the rainbow bridge and all this they didn't know each other which was really crazy and they got to be good friends and we had a real good response to that show and everybody said well you need to do a vietnam memories part two so we had it all planned and i told augie and i got i got him a copy of uh, part one and dad gum co had come along and poor Augie got it and we lost him and so but we were so glad that that he got to do that show and his family knows about it and they have a copy of it and I don't know that uh get me started on a whole different subject I don't want to go to (laughs) Vietnam here but my brother's doing well and uh I just I'm big military and I just want to thank everybody for their service because I'm fire and police but the the military guys they've sacrificed it all we need to take care of them yeah, absolutely. Memorial Day's coming up right around the corner here and we'll remember all those veterans when uh yep. when uh when Memorial Day is here in just a couple of weeks. Charlie, we're gonna take another quick break here on the Forward Bike Podcast and come back with uh with much more. Welcome back to the Forward Bike Podcast. We're still here in studio with Charlie Craig and uh talking about Vietnam there before that. Uh Charlie, you you know, you talk you've got uh you actually were in a movie one time called <laughs> Born the Race and I was telling yeah. you about it it might be uh and no offense to you you had nothing to do with it but it's probably one of the worst <laughs> movies i've probably ever 
saw and uh but you were in it and it was uh cool to see you make some cameo appearances you had a, had some speaking parts in it too i had 11 words and they paid me a hundred dollars a word and i painted a couple of cars in the movie that's how i got involved in it and the the director jim fargo was actually the assistant director on the jaws movie and uh, oh he loved to hear me talk he he would make fun of me and laugh and he said i'm gonna put you in the movie i said yeah right so they did, and, and I, I was in about 40 scenes, shot it for 18 days. and so I think this wasn't the first time me and my wife saw it at the premiere, but I took my mother to see it, and they'd cut it down. I was only in probably eight or ten scenes, and my when I said my words, they weren't even looking at me. Uh, but I would get residual checks. Somebody would... I'd run into somebody at work and say, hey, I saw you at 2 o'clock this morning on HBO. I said, oh, Lord, okay. But, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> Joseph, Joseph Bottoms was in that, and I got to work with George Kennedy. George Kennedy was the mechanic in the movie Airport. He was the one that drove the plane out of the snow, and he's also the guy that fought Paul Newman in Cool Hand Luke. And he was on a million, a million old TV shows. Uh, oh, golly, just, I can't name them all, but uh, not long ago, I was, I've seen all Andy Griffiths a million times, but he, he was one of the guys, one of the, the police, federal police officers on the Andy Griffiths show. And I said, hey, I, I got a picture of me and him somewhere, super nice, humble gentleman. And uh, I've got to meet some good people doing that. But yeah, that, I'm still... <laughs> I, I was telling Kyle Sunday, we were kind of figuring out what we were going to do, and I said, in there in my shop in the toolbox, I can show you, we, uh, I've got a residual check from Metro Golden Mayor. I think that's who did the movie. I said, it's from Screen Actors Guild, and, and on the envelope, it says, Screen Actors Guild, Los Angeles, California, had a window in it. I said, oh, boy, I got another residual check. And I'll be glad to show it to anybody. I made a copy of it and put it up in my office at work. It's for 72 cents. <laughs> that That's how, true story. I wasn't even going to cash that, uh, I wasn't even going to cash that check. I was going to keep it the rest of my life. That was 1980, probably 1988. I got that, I got that check. But uh, yeah, that's something else I can say that I did, you know. Yeah, well, they never call, Hollywood never called you back or what? No, doggone, and I never could understand. But I tell you what, I did um, worked for Liberty Mutual Insurance Company for eleven years, and they said, "Hey, you've got some." They had a campaign going on for those Liberty Mutual commercials, and at the time, I thought they were very tasteful. And I don't. Now they've got that silly Austin. Well, I wasn't gonna go there because <laughs> uh, I don't work for them anymore. But they had a campaign going on to do. They were really going to start pushing the commercials, the the national TV commercials. So my supervisor at the time, I, I've never thought I had, and I don't have the voice for anything. But uh, he said, "Hey, how you want? You'd like to do one of those commercials?" I thought he's messing with me. I said, "Yeah, right." He said, "No." He said, "I'm going to make arrangements. We're going to fly you to Boston for a screen test." I said, "Sure." So I did. I got on a plane and. I got all dressed up and flew to Boston. I had a limousine pick me up at uh, at the airport. The guy had a sign that said Craig, and I said, oh, that must be me. Had my own limousine. They took me down to the home office, went in. They had a, man, they had a production studio. You wouldn't believe they could have filmed a movie in there to do all that stuff. And uh, 
uh, I didn't. I was there almost all day. It was hot lights, and they gave me a script, and I had to do all this. It's kind of it was an experience. So came back home, flew back home that night, and uh, I said, "Well, wonder if anything will ever become of this." So weeks went by. All I could hear was crickets and the clock ticking. I said, they ain't going to call me back to do no commercial. So I got a real nice email from home office in Boston on my on my insurance company. I was a, an auto appraiser at the time for them, and I got a real nice um, turn-me-down letter. <laughs> I said, well, here it comes. I sort of, it's like they send you a book back and they're not going to publish it. I said, they don't want me for that commercial. But it was very nice. They said, we've got a great opportunity for you. Would you like to do our print ads? And I didn't know what a print ad was. So I called the lady that sent me the email, and I said, what's this all about? She said, you know, the magazine ads. I said, you want me to do that? She said, yeah, we're going to send you to New York and put you up across from David Letterman for a few days, and you'll have another limousine expense account. And I said, well, this is something, man. So I went up, went up there, which now they just do it in the studio behind a green screen, you know. But they had me out there. Uh, it wasn't in front of the Statue of Liberty. They had me out in front of a junkyard up on Long Island. And, and uh, I did my commercial, and I had me a new haircut. And they said, well, you ready for hair and makeup? And I thought well, I'd done pretty good getting ready, you know. They come in and greased my hair down and took my new clothes away from me and gave me this business casual stuff to put on and we uh we shot those magazine ads and uh I, I came back home and it turned out good and i was on the back cover kyle and i'll show you one i was on the back cover of 23 national magazines i had the full page and i've got one of them hanging in my office in my shop now uh that says something to effect if if you have an accident you may see Charlie Craig with Liberty Mutual. He's been involved in over 10,144 of them, something like that. So, I've never seen that. I'd like so, to see it. Yeah, yeah. That that was another big paying gig. i got to tell you about that. I got a dollar, one dollar <laughs> for doing that. And, I, of course, I knew it. They said, well, we're going we're gonna to reimburse you for this. I said, well, great. They said, the only thing, since you're a company employee, you're going to have to sign away the rights to every, to your likeness for a dollar. I think you uh, made more than I've made on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, I did, and that, that's just one of my little experiences, and that was that was a lot of fun doing that kind of stuff. It's, it's not, well, I guess it is bragging rights, but I try to be humble about that stuff because I ain't nobody. I just happen to be at the right place at the right time, you know. And I learned a big, big uh, lesson from Dale Jr. That kid has no ego. Because I've been on a magazine or I've, I've done something with him, I ain't nobody, and and I hate to see people that let kind of let stuff like that get to them. But I like people that are humble, like Dale Jr. I was really impressed with him. It's just like some of the racers you run across that are just super duper people, and they want to stand there and talk to you, like old Benny Parsons, just you know, good as they can be. They want to stand there and talk to you. That's the kind of people I love being around. People that are too good to talk to you, they ain't so good. I told I got a good. I won't mention his name right now. It might embarrass him. I've got a good young young man friend. I was dear friends with his dad who was a racer. Well, he's a racer now. And when he started racing as a kid, I told him, I said, I got one piece of advice for you, son. He said, what's that? I said, don't ever turn your back on a young kid that comes up to talk to you. 
if even if he's five years old, you bend over and talk to him, see what he needs, or answer your questions, let him sit in your car, or whatever. Because when he gets to be whatever I was, 60 at the time, I said, when he's 60 years old, he's going to remember that you ignored him. And that's that's not going to be good for you. And you're going to regret it because someday some guy's going to still hold that grudge. He's going to tell you, well, you turned your back on me one time. I said, don't ever do that. Because that, that's, that's, you're his hero, just like the Dunaways and Dub Simpson and all those guys was, was my heroes. And I'm dear friends with them to this day because they took time to treat me like I was somebody, like Larry Wallace and Bryant Wallace and Harold Dunaway and all those guys I just love like brothers. It, it meant a lot to me growing up because, like I told you at the opening of the show, we didn't, we didn't have that much to... But we could get close to our real heroes. It wasn't somebody we saw on a movie screen. or They were just as super to us as, as uh, oh, just like any big movie star. It makes an impact on the, on you as a young kid. It makes an impression. I remember going to uh, going to Carolina Speedway every week, you know, and I I became a big fan of uh, of Mike Messer and uh, super guy. And 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 now we're great friends. We go ride four wheelers and stuff all the time, talk on the phone and stuff. And 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 there's a big age gap there, obviously, but just me and him have really become good friends. And uh, and you know going and the growing up i used to make decals to put on his car for him like wishing him good luck and and uh and he he always took time to talk with us everywhere we went and saw him run and man that stuff went a long way for me i never would have believed that i'd uh you know have his phone number and be able to call him that's just one example i'm thankful to have a lot of friends in this uh in this whole industry mike is one of the best he's one of the very best he walked up to me at carolina one night and i didn't know mike but i knew who he was of course and he said, did you see me the other night? And I said, where? He said, I was, I was one flying around your shop. I said, you were? He said, yeah, the ultralight. I said, that was you. He said, yeah, I buzzed your shop a couple of times. But he, he <laughs> is really super nice. And I, I accepted, the night they put him in the Carolina Speedway Hall of Fame, I accepted, was it Bryant Walton? You accepted yeah. Bryant Wallace's and gave it to me, and I accepted Jim Daimio's. Anyway. Anyway, uh, yeah, I, I was proud to be there that night too. Yeah. That was a, like a lifetime achievement deal for him to get to be to get to get into that. And, yeah, and he was sitting there on the stage with me, and just I said, "Oh, I, Mike Messer's a good guy. He really is. He takes time for his fans. Good person." Yeah. Joe Robinson, another example. <clears throat> talking yeah. about guys from down there. Yeah, there's several of them. That was just one example I could have thought of. Right, somebody that we both knew for sure. Mm-hmm. But uh, man, what else we got? You you talked about painting cars. You've uh, you've painted a lot, lettered and painted and pinstriped a lot of good looking yeah. race cars over the years. And you you had a painting body shop. Mm-hmm. You did custom paint mm-hmm. vans and motorcycles mm-hmm. and helmets and all kind of. You painted me a helmet one time for and, your uh, for high when, school graduation. I don't remember what the occasion was, but we were. I was piddling around with some go karts there at, a t- at one when time. When you graduated high school, that's what it was. Yep, yep. I've still got a picture of it. Yeah. I've still got it. It's 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 uh it's something I won't never get rid of. It them it was it was only a fifty dollar helmet, but them pinstripes on it to me are priceless that you painted them for well, me. I appreciate that. I I don't have a picture of one particular helmet, but I I lettered one of Kel Yarborough's Hardy's helmets one time. Brought it to the house and did it. I I knew a couple guys that worked over at the shop, and they said, "Hey, we can't get this helmet letter to Kale, so you want to do it?" And I said, "Yeah, I'll do it." So, you know, I just painted the orange hardies on it with the black outlines and don't even have a picture of it. I heard you had a hard time getting paid for that gig. 
I won't go there. <laughs> okay. Uh, but, but did anyway. you even get a Hardy's uh, Happy Meal out of it or anything? <sighs> no, we won't go. All right, we're not. Going. This has been fun, Kyle. Let's keep going. Something else here. Well, what about the hot dog story? You talk. You said your daddy. Lord of mercy, your daddy. We were racing go karts down at Chester one night, and uh, Henry could eat. That boy could eat. I'm telling. And loved hot dogs. So we'd we'd take a break. Usually after we we raced, we'd we'd go over and get a couple of hot dogs and sit on the trailer and watch the main events. But Henry got missing. I got my two hot dogs and come back. I think me and my brother and came back to my trailer and sat down. Henry was gone for a while. Here he come walking, just walking through the infield back toward the truck. And I said, where in the world's you been? He said, man, I've been over at the concession stand. I said, what took you so long? He said, well, I ate six hot dogs. I said, you ate six? <laughs> Why? And he said, I run out of money. <laughs> Boy, crazy. <laughs> he is crazy. He could probably eat ten. Yeah. So, yeah, that was that was a good story. Well, what about uh, what about y'all's days with uh, Randy Kissler there? I've heard y'all some oh, stories was... about y'all having to fight your way out of the pits and stuff like oh, that. that. But he did win a few races, and he's in that book. And uh, yeah, I ran into Randy a couple weeks ago, and he'll probably listen to this. And I, I yeah. want to invite Randy to come on here on any time. You know, I've uh, I think he'd be a good one to talk to for the podcast. But uh, what about them days, y'all turning wrenches and working on his stuff? <sighs> that was super. That was super. I, I I knew Randy. I went to school with with his older brother, and uh, never knew Randy personally. He was just a kid. He was probably mm, nineteen, twenty years old, and uh, he pulled into my shop one day and told me who he was. I said, "Yeah, I know your dad. I know who you are." He said, well, "I'm building a race car. I, I need to get it lettered. Can you help me?" I said, "Yeah." He said, well, "Actually, I need it painted." I said, "Okay." So at the time, I think they could get free paint at Freightliner or something, but. I painted his car, his first car for him. Well, that that lasted, gosh, Randy, you'll have to answer this, probably, oh, six, eight, ten years maybe. We had a bunch of race cars. We we went to a log cabin with your dad to the, the 1982, what they call that, Henry, Super Nationals or something. NDRA Super Nationals. Yes. Where Donnie Moran won the, it was the biggest race at the time, I believe you're, Talking about the same one, thirty-five thousand to win. Yeah, we had and uh, we had Randy what? was winning the he wasn't he winning the semi-modified race. And yeah, we had about sixty six-cylinder cars, something like that. And Randy, I think, qualified fourth, fifth, sixth, something like that. And Kenny Poston was up there with us, and Larry Walker, and uh, we were um, we were running. We was running pretty good, probably fourth or fifth, and the darn car quit, just like it run out of gas. Well, Duval, Mike Duval, we, we were using his pits because it was so crowded. Little old pin sheared off in the distributor, and the distributor spun around, so I think we finished pretty bad. We finally got we finally got back in the race. Um, but Randy's still a – he just retired last year, 40 years at Freightliner. He, uh, he's one of my dearest friends. He would be a great – he's a good example to me. He – he kind of helps keep me straight. He's a good boy. He uh, he does a lot of missions work for going to West Virginia and building homes and that kind of thing since he's retired. But he's a good fellow. And Randy had a good career. But all of us, we had some good stuff, but we never had the ultra bucks to have the, you know, the latest and greatest how cars or, or whatever. So uh, we did what we what we could with what we had. And it was a lot of fun working with Randy those years. Yeah, I'd like to get him on here sometime. I never really spent much time talking racing with him, but he uh, 
he still kind of keeps up with racing probably goes to a, to a local race every now and then and be be a good one to have and uh probably tell me some stuff i didn't know and maybe don't want to know but we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll do it sometime so uh let's take another quick break here and we'll come back and close it out here in this next segment with charlie craig on the forward bike podcast Welcome back to the Forward Bike Podcast. We're here in studio with Charlie Craig, and this has been a great, uh, really great conversation here, Charlie. I don't know if you got anything else you wanted to, to harp on today, but I know you got your car show coming up in, uh, yep. in October, and that's always a, it's, what annual is this coming up? Oh, let's see. This one's going to be the 15th. We would have, it would be the 16th, but when COVID came along, we decided, well, not to do it. So we didn't that one year, and, um, uh, this will be the 15th, and I want everybody to remember this because we do it for a good cause. I, I've just, I've always wanted to give back to racing and give back to the good luck the good Lord's give me. Uh, being a multi-time cancer survivor, I've had two heart attacks, I've had triple bypass, and I said, shoot, good Lord wants me here for some reason. And uh, so I try to do this little deal every year. It's... Uh, We've had several different deals we sponsored, but the last couple of years, uh, the Gas County Shrine Club has come on board, and we raised. My show is the second Saturday of October. Uh, it's going to be the 14th of October this year, and we always have a crowd. It's at my shop in Gastonia down on South New Hope Road, but you can you can Google it. It'll be all over the internet on up in the summer, but. Uh, it's free to get in. The only thing it costs you is for food. A good friend of mine, Jimmy Gurley's done my food ever since I've been doing it. And it'll cost you a little bit for the barbecue. But uh, all the proceeds, and we'll beg you to, to give us a donation, but we have some super good door prizes. Uh, and, you know, throw $5 in the pot and throw five more and bring an unwrapped toy for the, for the kids at the Shriners Children's Hospital. Last year... We cleared several thousand dollars after all the bills was paid and three truckloads of toys for the uh, children's hospital. And those kids love that kind of stuff. And the Shriners are going to, they're going to be doing most of the work this year. They told me they just want me to walk around and run my mouth, which I'm good at. But um, come on out. And you need, it's, it's all day long. My show's different because I have everything from farm tractors to, Jim Rose's million dollar Ferrari show up and you come and, <laughs> literally, yeah. literally. Yeah. And you have to, uh, you have to show up fairly early, but you, my show's good because you come and go as you please. You come and see your buddies and walk around and look, you can stay all day or you don't have to stay an hour, but it's all for a good cause. And, uh, we do it every year and, uh, it's right there at my shop and you get to see, I call it the Charlie Craig cruise in and racers reunion. And um, so, and with it being a racers reunion, you got any special guests you going to announce that will be there this well, year? Well, you never know. You, you never know who's going to show up. Uh, you know, David Pearson drove in one time, and just there's several cut people. The Bobby and Judy Allison were there right before Judy passed away, and we were honored to have them. But lots and lots of the the local dirt guys come every year. Billy Scott's always there, and uh, just a lot of people and. Uh, you see some of those guys walk up and talk to each other. They haven't seen each other in 30 or 40 years, and, and that's great. It's uh, it's a little bit of everything. You know, Jimmy Means, uh, 
Oh, I can't even think of Bosco Lowe. I just can't think of who all has been there. But uh, Kenneth Deese always showed up. With oh, his yeah. Old car, poor, and we poor old sorely, uh, sadly lost him a couple of years yeah, ago. Yeah, God bless him. Another victim of COVID, dadgummit. But he was a good fella. He was a big supporter of our show. and, and uh, But it's a good time, and you need to get there fairly early because uh, last year the parking lot was full at 10 o'clock. But we have plenty of police around to guide you in and out parking across the street you may have to wait your turn to get in but it's not going to cost you a thing freddie smith showed up last year and i expect freddie to be there again he's got a couple of different show cars now and yes. uh, you just lettered one for him and uh, yes we can talk about that but i expect yeah. him to be there yeah i hope so freddie freddie's a big draw and everybody in the world that knows anything about racing knows who freddie smith is that's like i was talking to jeff on the phone when he's talking about getting freddie there i said you, you guys, whether you realize it or not, you're a lot more famous than you'll ever let on because everybody knows who, and they're, they're super people. Freddie's just as humble and laid back as anybody. He has no ego, and uh, he's kind of shy about his accomplishments, but he's done what every racer would like to do. He's had a great career. Yeah, there ain't no doubt about that. We were lucky enough to have him on this podcast one time, and I always was under the impression that Freddie don't really say much or talk much, but we really – Really, anybody listening to this thing right here for the first time, go back and find that because we really got Freddie to open up and talk to us and tell us some stuff. Yeah, about fi- it took us about fifteen minutes to really get him going, but once he, <laughs> we probably could have just talked to him for fifteen minutes, then hit record. But like man, his once, daddy, once we got him going, he was good. And Jeff was here with me too to help me along with it. But that was a good time that that day. I, that's something I'll never uh, or I'll always cherish that getting that opportunity to to talk racing with Freddie on oh, this podcast. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, you stop. One more thing I just remember about Metrolina. I was playing Metrolina through my head just now. I got talked Donna, my wife, into going with Randy. And Randy had a, a old Tom's peanut truck, potato chip truck. We call it peanut wagon. Well, we painted it out in the field in front of my shop like Randy's race car, and we built a rack on top of it and had a ladder on the back. And Donna never had been to a race at Metrolina. She'd been to tons of races with me. We'd go to the old Concord when we were dating, but I said, go to Metrolina. It's really good. You get to see Randy run all Okay. So we're down in turn one where we always parked, where the six-cylinder cars parked, and we were, she and I and your dad and several more were up on that truck. Well, we were there at the world-famous riot. First oh, yeah. race I ever took, it to, took her to, she was in the middle of a riot. We thought we would never get out of there. Uh, That's the night they were throwing toilets out on the track and yes. tore up the bathrooms and knocked the windows out and tore the fences down. And it's yeah. well documented in that book too. But they had helicopters in the sky, <laughs> and it was you're you're not telling the whole. <laughs> we we were I, I ain't going to some of it. We we, I know. we were scared to death. And Doug Osteen, who won oodles of races over there, he he was at my show two years ago, maybe three. And he was set up in my shop telling stories. And Butch Barker, a dear friend of mine that, that ran late models out at Metrolina for years, he walked in there and shook his finger at Doug. He said, I owe you one, big boy. And he said, what are you talking about? He said, that darn right you got us in the middle of that night at Metrolina. <laughs> and uh, they laughed about it then. But that's the only ride I've ever been in. But I was scared to death. And poor old Donna, she said, you come to this every week? I said, no, this doesn't happen. So that blew over, but that, that's something we can tell about. Yeah, that's probably something that's uh, that's never happened again in dirt racing. I mean, I've heard some things about some about some stuff, but I don't know. That had to be pretty bad. Yeah, when when the crowd turns on the 
turns on the monkeys in the show. That's it, it was scary. The 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 uh, there's about two pages about it in that J.J. Grice book, and there's quotes from fans that were there that night, and it must have been in the newspaper because that's where he got some of his stuff. But thank you, Buddy Smith. That yeah, was, we appreciate that. Yeah, and I tell you what, it's I guess it so it sounded like those guys uh, didn't want to race for the purse they were going to pay, and it was advertised to be more, and they got there and they cut the purse. Yep. So they they loaded their cars up and started leaving threatening to leave freddie smith and 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 buddy smith and doug osteen i don't want to name drop them all because i don't remember off the top of my head but it was big names and they were leaving mm-hmm. and uh they made one more lap around the track with their with their car hauler and started uh, and out left. the back gate and uh, and that just i just got them going people were people were saying in those quotes i paid six dollars to get in here yeah. tonight and i ain't gonna get my six dollars back and we're gonna tear the place down so I'm over, you know, over six dollars my goodness i couldn't believe somebody throw a full can of beer that far to try to hit <laughs> us with it it hit us with that it killed us what about some uh some i think some listeners would really get a kick out of uh, knowing that y'all are out there alongside dale earnhardt as big of a deal as he became what are some uh, memories you've got with him there in the pits at metro oh yeah he, he was just somebody else that raced back then of course everybody knew who he was because i was a fan of his dad um but yeah he was just you know he was just another racer and and everybody noticed he was doing better and better and better and he got some better equipment and Everybody was thankful when he got that uh, the cup rides that he had. And we were at Metrolina for a Sunday race. Now, Henry, this would have been 1979, maybe when Dale won that first race. His first race was at Bristol on Sunday afternoon. That was his first cup win. It was yes. at Bristol. Yes, and Bill Connell. They were lining up the late models, and Bill Connell said he was all excited. He said, "Hey, hey, hey! I got something to tell everybody." He said, Dale Earnhardt has won his first cup race at Bristol, and the place went crazy. That's we, cool. We were there at Metrolina that afternoon, and and uh, the the big race where, uh, I'm not going to say his name, came up out of Florida, and him and Dale got into it. And J- Dale was in the Channel 3 Dodge, I believe, and uh, the other driver, who I think is still racing in Florida, got up on his car, and they really got into it. and. There's some stories to tell, and I'm lucky enough to have uh, Tony Powers' uh, lifetime of negatives from when he was track photographer at Metroline and, and some of the speedways around. But, yeah, everybody knew who Dale was, but you didn't think a whole lot about it. And then he married Robert G.'s daughter and started going places because he had, he had Robert G. helping him. Yeah, and I think in 1974, I believe Dale Earnhardt won about every race that they had there at Metrolina. He did, and also Freddie Smith holds the uh, holds the world record for a uh, world record holds the uh, record for the most wins at Metrolina was 64. Uh, we should have brought one of those books with us over here. I know Chris Steele. I think Chris Steele's got the most. I think he would. He's one or behind Freddie. I think there's kind of a debate if one got dropped or something. But they're right there together. Yeah, and he's a fine fella too. I've talked to him. He's oh, a great Chris guy. Steele's one of them guys too mm-hmm. that always. Uh, he's right there. He ranks right up there to me with Mike as Mike Messer too. Oh, yeah. They race together. I watched them guys ba- battle it out many a Friday nights at Carolina. Then we'd go to Chester or, or Gaffney or somewhere on Saturday night and watch them do it again. Mm-hmm. We had some great times growing up going to them races and. Uh, You've been to a lot more of them than I have because I don't uh, know about that. I don't know, man. No. You ain't been to many since. Uh, you ain't really. I bet you ain't been to 
five races in the last 20 years. Is that about right? Maybe, Maybe a, little a little more, more than that, but. The last one I went to was the, they asked me to come to the Shrine Race at Carolina last August. And I went down there and helped them do some stuff to promote it. But that's, I hadn't been to one since then. Well, I want you to come go with us to some. I know you got some things going on in your life right now. It's kind of holding you down. But I want you to come go to some big races with us like Eldora and uh, maybe just whatever. If you can get, once you can get away from I know you, you know guys. You know what I'm saying. You, and, uh, you guys get to go so many great, and you never fail to call me and say, "Come on, go." Well, you ain't got to buy nothing. We'll go up you, to Bowman Gray one Friday, Saturday night. That's you, where we you've been to after go. me. My life keeps getting in the way, but I promise you, it's going to happen. And Kyle, you're doing a super duper job here, and you're very good at this. And and I'm proud of you. I knew when you was a little bitty boy hanging around my shop, you had the passion for it, and and you keep up what you're doing because people love what you're doing and. There's not many people like you that you've got the knowledge. I mean, I'm, I can remember stuff from the 60s and the 50s and the 70s, but you you really keep up, especially with the current stuff, and you know so many of these guys. So you keep it up. I'm proud of you, brother. Well, I appreciate it. It's cool to hear, for me to hear you say that, and I appreciate you coming up here and being on this show tonight. And uh, all the everybody listening to this, make sure you come out October 14th right there on South New Hope Road in Gaston, North Carolina, yep. to the – charlie craig annual cruise in you really don't even need an address further than that just head just get off the interstate and head that way and uh you'll uh, you'll see the you'll see the sinclair station and you'll see all the cars and uh if you ever see the door open I, everybody stop in there and talk to him he, he absolutely loves people stopping in there and visiting with him and when jeff gilder uh gave up his website it was called racers reunion and Mine was racing reunion as long as Jeff had his, but Jeff, I stole your name since since your uh, website's down. But it's Charlie Craig uh, Cruise In and Racers Reunion. I'd I'd love to see everybody there because you never know who's going to show up. I hate to say, well, so and so's going to be there and they don't come, but uh, we always have some surprises and we have some great door prizes. So and it's all for a good cause. It, it's for the Shriners Children's Hospital and they get all the money and all the toys. So. Y'all come on out and join us in October. We'd love to have you. Yeah, it's a great time, and you've uh, you've got a heck of a collection of uh, memorabilia and paraphernalia and old fire suits from this and that and the other, and, and you just really have to go see it in person and see what all that Charlie's got right there. It's it's a it's a real museum. Like I said, he's a walking historian in the scrapbooks and the magazine collections and the newspapers and everything you've got archived, and uh, it's really really impressive. And uh, yeah, everybody should go check that out for sure. So uh, yeah, man, and you, your your artistry too. I, I think your your pinstriping and your talent, and uh, I think I've heard you say you just dip those pinstripes out of a can. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, I buy letters, and your daddy came up with that with that expression. You buy those letters in a can, just dip them out, don't you? He's the one started all that. <laughs> that crazy sense of humor. I guess that's why I've hung around him sixty years. You never know what that boy's going to say. Well, I appreciate you being on here, Charlie. I guess we could go on and on and on. We might do this again sometime, but I appreciate you coming on on October 14th. Everybody listening to this, make sure you go out and uh, support that uh, cruise in and racers reunion. I'll be there, and I'm looking forward to it. Got it on my calendar and got it circled. So uh, I'm flattered and honored to be here. Well, Charlie, thank you for being a part of the Forward Bike Podcast tonight. I'm your host, Kyle Armstrong. Until next week.